Welcome to the Run, Lift, Grow podcast with your hosts, Caleb Dilley and Ryan Heenan. From novice to elite athletes, we are here to tell your story and share our perspective. Let's go. What's up, everybody? It's Caleb and Ryan. Welcome back to the podcast. We're here today in studio with tonight's guest, Heath Gosworn. And we're super pumped to have him here. Uh, Heath's kind of been tearing up the scene here over the past couple of years. We met through a mutual friend of mine, uh, Britton. And Britton was actually on the podcast earlier. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go back through uh, the episode list, check it out um, and listen there. But when when I asked Britton, you know, name me some people who um, maybe some of your friends, you know, running companions who who motivate you, who inspire you. And uh, and Heath, Heath was right there. So I didn't know him at that time. So I jumped on the Strava quickly, found him on Ultra Sign Up, and uh, I gave him a Strava follow. And he was nice enough to follow me back and even like some of my 10-minute mile uh, runs that I put on there. So uh, super excited to have him here. Uh, real quick, we'll get into this, all of his success, all of his races. But as a quick recap, he is the 2023 Canton Marathon first overall winner. He won the 100-mile Eagle Up Ultra this year, and just recently at the Burning River 100-miler took second place. We're going to get into all of that with him and more. Heath, welcome to the podcast, man. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me on. So Heath, typically I would ask you to tell us how you got into running, but I'm more curious, and you can still talk about how, but why do you run? Uh I run because it's one constant I have in my life. Um, I'm on a streak of running like 17 days in a row, at least a 5K every single day. And so I know no matter what, I'm going to run during that day, whether it's a terrible day and I need to clear my mind or whether it's a great day. And I just need to get my run in something that I always have. Might not eat that day, might not sleep that day. Work might have been terrible, but I'm always going to get that run in, which always kind of keeps me grounded. So when did it start for you? Was it something where running has always been a part of your life? It was not. Uh, in high school, I was actually really, uh, about 230, 240 pounds. And uh, I played football um, when I was younger, uh, fifth through like ninth grade. Uh, and I did soccer before that. And then um, my bro- brother graduated. He was a senior my uh, freshman year. And after he graduated, I'm like, I don't really like this football thing. I'm five foot three. I was like 160 pounds at the time. It wasn't fast. I didn't have a passion for it. So I'm like, why am I doing this? I love video games. I just want to play video games after school. So I did that all through high school. Wasn't athletic at all. Didn't see myself as an athlete. My brother was always athletic, but um, I just kind of sat back. I enjoyed watching sports and stuff. And I always supported my uh, school, especially my senior year, but just love video games. So uh, did that, worked at Burger King uh, my senior year. And then I went to the University of Mount Union and didn't really have any goals in life. I was working at Walmart overnight, um, going to college, had like a 1.6, went to Mount Union because my mom worked there. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And um, like, just kind of had that look in the mirror moment, like, what am I doing with my life? My health is not good. Um, GPA is terrible. Where am I going? And uh, had to come to Jesus moment and ended up losing about 50 pounds over two months. Um, just really was watching my calories, just rode the exercise bike a lot. And um, my brother was always into lifting stuff. So he got me into lifting more. I was lifting while doing that. And then uh, after that, a couple months later, I was walking my dog after I lost all the weight and stuff. Saw a girl that went to my local college and then uh, she was a runner. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. Running looks cool. There's a 5K at my school. 
Uh, a couple months later, I'm like, I'm going to train for that. Maybe running will be cool. Uh, did pretty good at that. Ran like a 2002 after two months of training. Nice. And I'm like, oh, running's cool. Like Boston Marathon. Everyone loves Boston Marathon. <laughs> so I signed up for Hall of Fame for the next year. Didn't do much training. Um, but that kind of got me started in running, but I wasn't super consistent with it going into that. Man, that's a that's a consistent story that we've kind of heard with a lot of our guests. Um, you know, when Ryan and I kind of started the podcast, we thought majority of the stories that we would hear, man, I ran in high school, then I went to college, and it's just always been a part of my life. But really what we've found out through through talking to people is that kind of finding a little bit later in life. And and I think maybe it's not to say the people that have always had running in their life don't appreciate it um, because they do. But maybe for those of us who kind of found it through different circumstances, we can appreciate it in a different level than maybe those who who didn't. So so that took you to your first marathon in Canton. So let's let's jump forward to this year then. Um, Canton Marathon, which is, you know, rest in peace. It's the last one. Uh, talk to us about that race. Talk to us about the time that you ran. And and then I want you, after you talk about this year's race, reflect back to that very first one and and kind of what changed. Yeah. So uh, this year's race going in, um, I never knew who was going to be there. So I didn't know like where I was going to be placing. I got third last year and I ran like a 254, which wasn't a great time, but um, third overall was cool. Um, but I didn't know who was going to be there. So I looked uh, I got to the start line. I'm like, okay, I should place super well here. I'm like, I'm in shape to run pretty much close to my PR. Um, I ran the Chicago Marathon the year before in the fall and ran a 243.10, I think it was, or 243.14, something around there. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm in better shape now. I should be able to run that on a harder course. So get to the start line. I'm like, I'm going to run my race. And I saw Avril uh, Wyatt's there. He's a beast of a runner. And I'm like, okay, well, you can have it. I run my race, try to do what I want to do. Uh, try not to get caught up in the hype of, oh, I'm going to go out fast with everybody else. Like, I'm pretty good at running my race. So I just kind of sat back, ran my own race, and he went out fast with the half people. And I ended up um, catching him. He slowed down at the end at like mile 24 and ended up running in the 243 highs and winning that. And that was an awesome experience since I live in Canton. I've worked in Canton for about the last five years. So um, it was really cool when the hometown race and coming down um, the main street of Canton that I've ran so, so many times and throwing the arms up. And it was, it was a very awesome experience. Um, so let's jump ahead then. So the first part of the year in the spring, you ran the Canton Marathon. And then we go to June 3rd, which is Eagle Up. So which is which is now almost four times the distance, right? 100 miler. Um, I know last year, I believe you won the 100K. Yes. At Eagle Up. So before you talk about the 100 miler this year, um, you cross the the finish line 2022 with the 100K, you win it. Did you immediately think at that point, okay, next year I'm coming back for the 100 miler? Yeah. So I was planning on running the 100 miler the year before. Um, so if you drop down a distance at Eagle Up, they'll just give you whatever distance you completed. So my goal was to run the 100 miles and that was just uh, a terrible day for me nutrition wise. I still ended up running a good time, but... Um, I had no idea how to do nutrition for ultras. So I was planning on drinking Gatorade the whole time and you can do that, but you're going to stop sweating. I didn't sweat at all for 30 miles, uh, which is not a good time whenever it's like 70, 80 degrees out and I'm a bigger dude. Uh, so every fluid was just sitting in my stomach. Everything I was eating was just sitting on my stomach and miles 38. I just puked my guts up and I'm like, I'm so behind on nutrition now. My calves hurt. Like, I'm just going to call it at hundred K. Um, which 
kind of lit a fire in me to make sure I did it this year because I had a bunch of people that were coming out to pace me and stuff that I had to call off and be like, hey, I'm I'm dropping out. So that was realistically a DNF. Um, it was still like a decent time for the 100K, everything, but I went out to run 100 miles and I didn't do that. So mm-hmm. so you had mentioned earlier, in, in particular with the Canton Marathon, and you talked about running your race. And I like that because to me, that tells me you had a strategy and a preparation going into it. So if you rewind back to early running, whether it's a 5K or your first marathon, take me back to how you learned what your race means. And so whether it's your training or as you were working up into whatever race you were going into, when did you learn you had a style and different of who else was in the field and different of the course? But knowing whatever your preparation was and your conditioning level at that time, how to mentally understand this is my race, this is my pace, and try and stick to it in different of all the other circumstances. Yeah. So that's a good point. So I always have, I like data. So I want to have something to base the time I want to run on. So, hey, was I doing good training runs at certain reps? No, I wasn't because I don't really do hard, fast training runs. But I always try to do a half marathon about two or three weeks out uh, from uh, that marathon I want to run. And then those time equivalency charts that you can look at are usually pretty accurate if the courses are about the same. So this year I did Mill Creek Distance Classic. I think it was about a month before. And I ran like a 120 on that. It's a really hilly course. So um, the year before I ran 125 on that. So I'm like, okay, well, take 10 minutes off what I ran last year because that was five minutes and a half and I should be around there, which ended up working out. Um, but my first marathon, I was going into it. I literally only did like my long runs every week wasn't doing hardly any miles, maybe 20, maybe 30 miles a week. And I go into this marathon and I'm like, ah, I can still run three hours. Like, why not? I go into Boston marathon qualifying time. I did a couple hundreds at whatever the pace is, hundred meter runs at like what the pace was. I'm like, ah, it doesn't seem too hard. Like I'll just go out, have myself a day. And I was wearing these very thick arm sleeves, I was wearing compression shorts under my shorts, had long socks on. Um, in that day ended up being like high eighties. It was a burner of a day. It was hall of fame six years ago, I think. And I go out and I try to go like at that pace and like one or two miles into, I'm like, okay, this, this doesn't feel good. And my pace slowed down a lot. And I think I went through the half at one thirty-seven. And for some reason in my mind, I'm like, oh shoot, I just have to run one twenty-three this next half and I'll be <laughs> able to, I'll be able to hit my time. And there's no reason I thought I could do that. I just love that story that the confidence I had in that. I'm not overly confident now, um, but I'm like, what, what was I thinking that I could actually do that? I think I ended up with like a 326. So it wasn't a terrible first time for a marathon for me, especially with the conditions. And I didn't end up having to like walk or anything. So I was, I was happy about that. But uh, at that point, I'm like, I have to go back to the drawing board. And then I did the same exact thing the, that fall I ran. It was uh it's called like Hamilton Night Glow. It's down uh, south in Ohio. It's a night race and um, didn't do a ton of training again. And um, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to try to go three hours this time. And I wore these like uh, Nike, like fast strike shoes. They have like no padding. They're for like 800s or 5Ks. And I'm like, oh, this lighter shoe is going to help me out a lot. And uh, so I go into the race and I'm literally crying halfway through. I thought I was going to run three hours again. Not because I was off pace. I was off pace by a lot again, but those shoes had no padding and running that many miles. I'm like crying, listening to this motivational Tom Brady story about how he got drafted and how uh, 
he like said like i'm gonna do all these things he's a six-round draft pick and showing up all these teams and stuff and i just remember coming around my family seeing me just crying i'm like oh my gosh this is terrible (laughs) and not finishing the race it was like a 319 or something so i improved a little bit but i just you have to have training back up whatever you want to do um you can't be overconfident and then i'd like i said love having a race or something that's going to prove to me mentally that hey i can do around this time and i'm usually super good at knowing around what time i can run now so i don't go out and kill myself and bonk but Mm. at the beginning races i'm always looking at my watch a hundred times making sure i'm not going out way too fast because at hall of fame when i ran it last year i remember it's kind of like a downhill start and um, like I said, I ended up getting third there. The guy who was uh should have got first, so I should have got first. He got ran off course wrong. Um, that's a story for another day. <laughs> but like there was like literally like 60 people that sprinted out in front of me, and I'm like, like come like your 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 legs are gonna hurt it's gonna so hurt. bad. Please don't do this. <laughs> like it's not a good idea. But uh, that was me at one point, so I completely get it. But so we all learn, right? So I I like the lesson there that, you know, from, from Ryan's question, you know, that all kind of culminates and led up, at least it sounds like to this year's Eagle up, um, which again, culminated into a first place finish for you. So as you're starting that race now, correct me if I'm wrong, Heath, but I think this ultra is a little unique in that you get pacers pretty early. 20 miles. Yeah. 20 miles. Wild. Yeah, That is wild. Uh, but also pretty awesome if you're going if you're trying to beat the course record and, and go fast. Yes. Um, so as, as you hit that first, you know, you run the first 20 miles, you, you get your first pacer. Um talk to us a little bit at that point. How do you stay? You've created a rhythm, right? And now, and now you get someone. So there's always that interplay of having someone run with you. Um, I've heard some some professional ultra runners talk about how they almost prefer not to have pacers in certain ways because it it takes energy from them, but some people are like, no, man, I got to have a pacer. So I'm, I'm curious to, um, and I've heard you talk on this before. So I think I know your answer here, but for our listeners, talk to us for you. Was that life giving to you that moment you got that pacer at mile 20 and how did that help propel you to run quote unquote your race? Yeah. So I honestly wouldn't call them pacers. They're like my emotional support humans. Realistically. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm usually setting my own pace. I have a watch. I can I can set my own pace uh, pretty well. I've been running for years and stuff like that. Maybe if like you're newer or you're doing something faster like a marathon, it'd be better to have someone set that pace for you so you don't have to focus on it at all. Um, but most of the time they're just there to keep me company and keep me motivated. Mm-hmm. Um, which my team at Eagle Up did an amazing job doing that. Like had um, six different people run with me, and it was it was a great uh, time throughout. But um, anytime I said like a problem, it's like they're trying to help me find a solution for it. Uh, which is awesome to have. Um, but I was just listening to music the first like 20 miles and stuff like that. Um, but listening to music for 15 hours straight really isn't a fun time either. Uh, so I was glad I had people to talk to about different things. And earlier on in those races, I'm a lot more talkative because I'm feeling better. But once you start getting that pain cave, I kind of yeah. feel bad for the people who are pacing me because I'm not talking too, too much. I'm just surviving. And then it's just kind of like they're talking. I might say a couple words and stuff like that. Um, it's not like I'm mean to them or anything like that. <laughs> where like I'm, I'm super good about never doing that in life but um yeah it's just kind of them talking to me and maybe us having a little conversation back and forth but i mean there's a lot of silence with that which goes along with that when i pace people hey it's the same thing what can i say to motivate them stuff like that keep them going um but don't expect to have a conversation with someone to 80 miles into a race that's a very compelling and they're super into it 
Yeah. And that's a lot of energy on your part to have to give to someone if they're just talking to you the whole time, right? Because you, man, you got to focus. Yeah. Trying to win this thing. Absolutely. I told my buddies, uh, like going into Burning River, I'm like, hey, like, please bring your phone so you can play some music for me or something like that. Cause nice. that's cool and nice to have. And my one buddy, Eagle Love, he was playing music the whole time, which was nice to have, but definitely a good change of pace. So, yeah, that's cool. So, okay. So, so sticking on Eagle up here, if you can maybe pull out a moment, um, you know, everyone that I've talked to that, that's done a hundred miler or over a hundred miler has that low point. So talk to us at your, at your low point of that race and uh, what helped you kind of push through to, to finish. Yeah. So finishing was never in the question for me. I knew I was going to finish every single time. Um, but I went in with a goal of setting the course record. That was kind of my A goal. I had a stretch goal of running sub 14, which there was no way that was going to happen with it being 88 in my current condition. Um, that's kind of the pace I set myself out on, um, which I don't regret at all. Uh, it saved me some bank, me some time for the second half, which it's good to start out faster early, especially if it's going to be cooler with how hot it was that day. Um, but my goal is to set the course record. So miles 80 to 85, I was definitely at a low. I was averaging, I think, 1030s in the pace, and I fell off what the course record was, um, which for the course record time, I had to run eight, like 57, I think uh, was the time, maybe 858. And I did below that. I was in the nine minute pace overall for my average for the whole time. And I kind of went through the aid station. Uh, I stopped to use the restroom and my buddies kept saying about like course, okay, you can you can get the course record still. And I was like, I kind of wish I'd shut up about this because I I feel like crap. So I go through the aid. And my one buddy Carlos starts running with us as well, and uh, he's actually running uh, a last man standing this weekend. So super excited to see uh, how he does there. He's a he's a beast. Um, I met him at Tuscazor a couple of years ago, actually the first year I ran it. Um, but he's a really good ultra runner in his own right. Um, but he starts running with me. He's super hyper. He's uh, he's a college track coach and. He's like, you're going to do this. He's like, you're going to beat Arlen's record. He's like, all you have to do is run sub nine minute pace through the last 15 miles. I'm like, dude, that's, that's not going to happen. Like I just was running 10, 30 miles. Like where am I going to pull that out of? Like that's a minute 30 per mile for 15 more miles. That's over a half marathon to go. I'm like, okay. And they're running ahead of me and stuff. So I'm trying to keep up and run like a nine 30. I'm like, okay, well we got it down some then a nine. And then we go sub uh, nine. Then it can next mile. And I'm like, well, shoot, we got 12 miles to go. Like I'm, I'm feeling better. Like, Whoa, my legs are waking back up. I'd never had that happen in ultra before. So I'm like, shoot. Okay. This is, this is good. Like we need to make these aid stations quick. They're texting ahead. Like I let my mom know like, Hey, this is what Heath wants. Like leave out the cliff bar. We're going to go straight tailwind, uh, which is awesome. That, that course is a five mile loop. You can really get your nutrition dialed in. And my mom and uh, is a saint. She was there literally the whole day, like giving my bottle, switching them out, which it ended up, I set the course record by less than three minutes. So if I wasn't having my bottle switched out, I don't get the course record hundred percent. So we work those miles down and then we get to 10 to go. Uh, my brother jumps in with me, which I love my brother. He's a big motivation to me. And uh, he had to lose Frank surgery on his foot like a year ago and he just got back into running. So it was awesome that he could pace me. We, uh, it was a miracle. We almost didn't drop him because we ended up working down to like eight minute flat miles and he's just getting back into running after being off for a year so. He was like barely hanging in there and stuff, but he pushed through obviously. Um, and then we got five miles to go and I'm like, okay, well, we just did this for 10 miles. Like this is going to happen. Eric, uh, the race director tells me, he's reads me out what Arlen's record is exactly. So I know, and I'm like, okay, we got, uh, 46 minutes. Like this is going to happen. And that last lap, I knew it was going to happen. It was just like, just got to stay together. No cramping, like just keep it together. And when we did, and it was, it was an awesome time. 
So you talked about in this particular race, your motivation was setting a course record. But talk more about what motivated you to want to set a course record, because obviously if you have the carrot in that particular race being setting a course record, but leading into that, whether, you know, your confidence or your why, as far as, you know, no one's going to just arbitrarily decide I'm going to set a course record, right? Caleb and I golf, and I've been out on the golf course where a guy has shown up and he said, Hey, I'm setting the course record today. So I need a witness. And I see the person and they take a warm up swing. And I think that's a joke. I don't know why this person is out here trying to set a course record. I appreciate the motivation and everyone has goals. I'm huge on having goals, but you also need to understand it's realistic. And so for you to realistically have those expectations, what motivated you leading into that to then that at be an achievable goal, right? Because at some points, and I've been in a position in my most recent competition where I went from wanting to do really well to there was a point in my training to where all of a sudden I realized I wanted to win. And there's a huge difference between the two of showing up, competing, and winning, right? There's levels to that. And so for you, what were your motivating factors for, say, I don't know, the year leading into that? Or did they change as far as in your training runs, in your nutrition, and how you handled your day-to-day? What motivated you to keep stacking all of the things needed to then even be able to have the idea of setting a course record? Yeah. So I've been around for a while. Like This is the year I'm having a really good year and stuff like that, but um, I've been going hard at running pretty much since 2019. Um, in 2019, I did over 2,000 miles. I think I did like 2,400. 2020, did over 2,000 miles. Uh, last year, I did 3,000 miles. And then this year, I'm already at like almost 2,600 miles. So I've been putting in the work for years. And it's kind of all coming together and paying off uh, this year, kind of on paper. And with some of these races, it's kind of like, who shows up? Like Hall of Fame, no one cares if I run a 243 at Hall of Fame if five people who are better than me show up and do that. So that that kind of plays in as well. But going to Eagle Up, I'm like, okay, I put in a lot of work. Like I'm like, I want to be a good ultra runner. So like two years ago, I look and I'm looking at Jacob Conrad. I'm looking at Arlen Glick. I'm looking at Brian Pohl and I'm looking at Jeremy Pope. I'm like, why are they so good? Like, how are they so good? Then I look at their mileage for the year. 2000 plus miles, like two thirds of the way through the year, mm. they, they literally put in the work. And that's the cool thing about ultra running um, and running in general. It's like, you get out what you put in kind of like the gym, you get out what you put in. Yeah. There's talent levels that people have and you might, that might make it easier for them, but you can progress so much if you just put in more work and you stay healthy and you're smart about it. Um, so I knew I'd kind of put in the work going into Eagle up and I had hall of fame. It was a, it was a good race for me. And then I did, it was called a uh, high lead. It was a six hour race. Um, I wanted to get my nutrition down because I knew my nutrition was the mess last year. So I focused on that at high lead and I had a really good race there. I started out like, so I was like mid eight miles and stuff like that. And then the last uh, three mile loop, I ended up running like 720 pace, 40 miles into a race. I'm like, okay, I'm in, I'm in good shape. Mm-hmm. I had some left in the tank. So going into Eagle Up, I'm like confident that I can do this just based on the training that I've done. It's kind of like, you have those expectations going in, but then it falls back on your training. Do you actually have that? And so I had that base training and it turned out to be a good day and a lot of things went my way. Uh, so I was able to do that. That's so good. So let's, let's walk that into, okay. So you, you won Eagle up your next race. Um, and I've heard it was your a race was, was burning river 100. So, so talk to us about that, man, gnarly conditions, right? Uh, I saw some, some photos from the course, 
And uh, some of the stuff you guys had to run through was uh, pretty wild. So, so walk us through that day and kind of how you felt. Yeah. So I did my race schedule at the beginning of the year, had a hall of fame on there. Of course, I'm going to do that. Did that uh, half marathon going into that. Then I did highly getting ready for Eagle up, getting that nutrition down. And then Eagle up uh, was a training race for that mileage, that first 100. Hey, I want to set this course record here as well, but burning river, that's kind of a bigger race. I want to actually go out and uh, do solid there. So it was a really good training block uh, for me going into burning river. And then I was feeling a lot of pressure going into burning river because I'm like, I'm supposed to do good here. I'm probably supposed to podium. Like I had a really good race at Eagle up. I'm like on people's radar, um, but there's no participant list going into burning river. So I'm like, hmm. I don't know who's going to be here. I knew there was a uh, Jacob Jackson. He's from California. He used to be on the U S 24 hour team. He's a beast runner. He's done a bunch of hundreds. I knew he was going to be there. But other than that, like I didn't know what the competition was going to be like. So we get there that morning and um, 4 a.m. start. Luckily, my sleep was really good. I got eight hours the night before. I kind of slept in that day because I had off work, kind of worked, set my work schedule up so I could do that. And then I got seven hours the night before. I'm like, shoot, this is good. I got good night's sleep. Get there at start line. It's not raining or anything. Um, I was going to use my old Garmin to listen to music uh, because I didn't want to kill the battery on my new one. I don't have music on it yet um with my headphones and then my grandma watched like oh we'll connect to wi-fi i'm like ah shoot i'm like okay well i'll just carry my phone with me and then like two minutes before the race i'm like i'm not gonna carry my phone i want to fall and break it or it might rain or something I'm like i just raw dog it no music for the first 50 miles and i'm not gonna have anyone talk to but it's whatever hand my phone to my brother and stuff thank god i did that because it starts pouring like i don't know within the first two miles of the race so like I said, I like to run my own race. I kind of had a race strategy. My stretch goal for Burning River was a 1548. Um, where did I come up with that time? Well, it was going to be, if you run under that, it was going to be like the fifth fastest time all time. And based off what I ran, it's hard to calculate hundreds compared to each other because Burn or Eagle Up is nothing like Burning River is trail-wise. And conditions play a huge factor. So I'm like, well, if I want to run that, like these road sections, I should start out high sevens. Um, so start out high sevens. I was a bit fast. I was about 7.30, and there's like 12 guys in front of me. I'm like, okay, well, this is kind of ridiculous. I know there aren't 12 people here that are better than me. If there is, that's absolutely insane. It's going to be the best field ever. So I'm like, okay, I run my own race. I'm chilling, talking to some people on and off as they're running. Um, and I just kind of worked my way up. I was talking to people along the way. It starts pouring down rain, get my headlamp on. Uh the first 20 miles was wild though, because I have, I wear glasses normally. I um, wasn't going to wear contacts for an ultra because a lot of things can happen with your eyes. I can dry out and stuff. So wearing my glasses, they get fogged up mm. and it's raining so hard and the headlamp is fogged up and I could probably only see like six to eight feet in front of me. And we're running on these trails <laughs> where there's roots everywhere. And I have to watch where these flags are as well. So like the first 20 miles, I wasn't even thinking about running. It's just like, Hey, survive. Yeah. And luckily my pace was like still solid through that, but it wasn't mentally taxing at all, which I actually think kind of helped me out. And I had this mindset going into the race of no matter what the conditions are, the worse the conditions are, this is an advantage to me. Um, not that I've ran in the rain and stuff like that, but I just think that's a good mindset to have. Not, oh, this is going to slow me down or, oh, this is going to be an advantage to somebody else. Like, oh no, this is an advantage to me. Whether I hope it's 90 degrees. I hope it rains harder. Like I'm going to make it through no matter what. So the first 20 miles went pretty well. I ran like eight miles with this one guy. We were talking 
I forget his name. I just remember he went to the University of Alabama, you know, World Tide. Uh, <laughs> but we were talking, we go into the mile 22 aid station together. And then I realized like midway through this, I'm like, there were supposed to be like two more aid stations that were uncrewed that I don't know where they were. And I was planning on uh, like filling up my water bottles to make sure I didn't get dehydrated. So I don't know if I missed them because some of the aid stations there, they just have water, um, like gallons of water on the side of the road. So like I might have missed them uh, with that, but I figured out I got dehydrated kind of early. But going to that mile 22 aid station, I believe I was in fourth place or slash fifth place uh, with that guy, uh, which ended up being very good position to be in. Like I said, I didn't kill myself going out, but I was uh, time wise where I wanted to be for that stretch goal, my brother said which I wasn't really looking at my watch and I have all the times calculated. Uh, but at that point, um, I go out, I see third place ahead of me by a little bit and uh, I catch up to him and it was that Jacob Jackson guy. And we talked for about a mile and then I end up going ahead and I'm like, dude, who's like ahead of you? Like you're, you're a beast. And he's like, I don't know. They went out super fast. So uh, I was in that position for the next 26 miles uh, in no man's land. We're passing the people who are doing like the marathon mm. and stuff, but um, I was in a good place mentally, uh, my headspace, like I didn't have music or anything, but I was just kind of focusing on running and got to the bike and hike. I planned on pounding the bike and hike. I think I averaged about eight minute flat on the miles there. Um, and then I got to 50 and got to pick up my pacer, uh, which was awesome. And I was in third place and I kind of knew where first and second were at that time. So, okay. So real quick. So, and I'm pretty sure I think Arlen was, was pacing, uh, Jake Jackson at one point, right? So did you get to run any miles with, uh, with Arlen? I did not. So funny thing is, so we come out of the aid station 50 miles in and I pound the bike and hike back uh, that six miles and my quads are feeling like crap thing. <laughs> so I run 10 more miles with my buddy, uh, Josh Kurtz, great pacer, great dude. Uh, we had some good conversation on the bike and hike because I was feeling good. And then uh, we, I have to walk all the hills that were going up um, that weren't, or that weren't like super uh, not steep and i'm feeling like trash going into the aid station 66 and he had like text my brother had the times like hey get the roller out he wants you to like roll out his legs and we get into that aid station and we go up to the top of the hill and i see arlen there and i'm like shoot like i like arlen arlen's a great dude and stuff like that but he's pacing the guy right behind me i'm like i cannot act like i feel like garbage i'm like gotta look put good. my fake face on yeah i'm not That's giving right. him any motivation to tell his boy like hey go get him so like i say like hi to him and stuff like that my brother rolls out my legs puts on icy hot uh and we get back going but like i just put on a fake face that that whole time and then like i hear like arlen and uh, my buddy dustin in the video like after he's like oh he's looking good i'm like <laughs> I'm like, okay, I did it. I did it. <laughs> oh, that's so good. All right. So crappy conditions. You're you're at the 50 mile mark. Uh, you said you're sitting in third place at this point. Pick up your pacer. So kind of walk us through uh, the second half of this race here. Um at any point did you end up running with Justin, the the overall winner? Uh did you did you make contact with him? I saw him coming out of the aid at 50 since it's an out and back. And he uh, had like probably like a uh, 15, 20 minute lead on me. Uh, but I didn't get to run with him at all. And uh, he went out fast and he maintained like I thought he was going to like end up bonking and stuff like that. that dude didn't. He is a beast. Mm -hmm. He had a he had a good race like there is. And I don't feel bad about getting second place at all because there is no way that I beat him unless he has a super bad race. It wasn't like, oh, we're the same level and he had a good race and I had a bad race. He's just better than me right now. Like, I hope I get to race him again in a year or two. Like, that'd be an awesome race. Hopefully by that time, I'm a bit better. But yeah, 
Yeah, and that's got to be a good feeling too. To, I mean, I feel like it would hurt way more, right? To, you know, have a guy beat you by five minutes when you and you think, man, if I could have just, <laughs> you know, I oh yeah, there was times where you could cut that off. And there's probably twenty minutes I could have cut off that race if I did things just kind of a bit smarter. I used the bathroom and took about five minutes too long uh, to do that. Um, there's definitely times to cut off, of course, there, but there wasn't time to cut off to win the race against him on that day. So you had mentioned about hoping to have a, a chance to run against somebody like that, you know, a year from now. And you would only say that if you know, or again, have the goal that your fitness level is going to even improve more. So right now, what does your training and your fitness and your strength training, you know, what does that look like day to day? Because clearly, you know, there's love, like you said, you're 2000 plus miles, right? And that's, you know, one kind of flagship number that, you know, hey, if you're that serious, you got to put in the miles. And now you're clearly putting in the miles. But now to take it to a next level, is it more miles? Is it better nutrition? Is it gear? Is it, you know, what is it that you think will allow you to continue to get even better? Because I love that. And that's absolutely awesome that you have goals of that such to say, hey, this guy beat me at this event. Give me some more time. That's all I need is just some more time. And in that time, what changes will you make or what will you increase? Because in my mind, someone who's not a runner that would just say, yeah, run more or run more often. There's only so many days in a week, hours in a day. So is it just running more or is it changing up your programming? Is it changing some nutrition? Are you doing something different maybe with strength training to try and say, hey, like you said, if you look at these long races and you could shave, you know, 30 seconds off here and a minute off here over time, it, you know, adds up to a big thing. So do you look at it in small segments to where you would make those incremental improvements? Or is there some holistic change that you plan on making or are making to get to those points of running even faster? Yeah, that's a great question. So I actually posted on my Strava, my second run yesterday, I said, I'm glad Justin came and kicked my butt at Burning River. Like that just gave me so much more motivation. I'm like, okay, hey, you had some good races. You won some races. Hey, there are a ton of dogs out there that are so much better than you right now. You got to level up. And there's so many levels to literally everything. Like you can think you're good locally, but there's a thousand levels above that. Yeah. There's Jim Walmsley out there. There's Elliot Kimchogi out there. Like <laughs> you're you're not that good. Like, and you're competing against yourself to make yourself better. So by next year, going to Burn Your River next year, definitely plan to run the race. I'm going to run 4,000 more miles between here and then. Let's go. And I'm going to have another year of lifting under my belt. I got uh, into serious lifting more about like five months ago and made it a kind of consistent thing into my routine. And I think that's going to help me tenfold as well. And I'm definitely going to run more trails going into uh, next year. I didn't do really a ton of trail work or a ton of elevation work. So once I get that under my belt, that's going to help me as well. But I think the burning river course is such a runnable course. Like mm -hmm. I realized it when I ran it this year is holy crap. You can run 90% of this. These hills are not bad. Like mm -hmm. might have, I probably walked maybe five, maybe 7% of the course. The rest of it, I was able to run even whenever I felt terrible. So I think next year, my goal, we'll see, God willing, I stay healthy is uh, to run sub 15 there if the weather's good. And I think that's definitely possible. I think if the weather was good this year, I could have broke 16. So I think I can cut an hour off with a year of training. I think um, I'm kind of hitting a stride now and there's so many things that I can improve that that's a very realistic thing over the next year. A year's a long time to get mm -hmm. so much better at anything. Like even three months, like you can mm -hmm. insane. Agreed. Agreed. So two, two questions. So the first one, do you, what do you think because in my mind, I think, man, you should just run that course a lot more, right? Because is there an advantage to people if that's the course they run 
versus if you're running simulated versions of that, right? You try and find places that have elevation or you try and find places that have similar characteristics. First, what's your take on, you know, do you try and get there to run that course as much as you can or parts of that course that you felt are the areas where you could make up time? Yeah, no, I think that's a a good idea if you're close as well. Um, But also I think like it's a good idea to run things that are harder than that. Kind of like with lifting, like, oh, okay, if I want to rep out 225 as much as I can, I should practice benching 300 pounds. Sometimes I should work my way and overexert myself on those lifts and it's going to make those other hills seem easier or at 225 pounds uh, seem easier. But um, it's probably like a 30 minute drive to me to some of those trails up there. So it's not hard at all. I'll definitely get out on that course a lot. And I have a bunch of friends that live up there that I can get runs in before. And I did get some runs up there before with some of my friends and that helped me a lot because i'm like oh shoot i know what course or i know we're out in the course like mm-hmm. this is cool when i've actually paced buddies at burning river before and i ran the relay before there so i kind of knew sections of the course pretty well and it's definitely like a home course advantage uh for me and probably dylan as well since he's from the wadsworth area he's probably ran that compared to someone like jacob who's from california and as well as we have the humidity here we're used to the humidity if someone's coming from somewhere that's not as humid that's a advantage to us if it's humid out that day so mm-hmm. No, I love it. And that's, yeah, because, because and it's funny you talk about these sections and even just talking with Caleb and some of our previous guests, they have these courses broken down by names and names of the hills, names of the valleys, names, every, every section has a name and people know of them as an easy part or a hard part, right? To make up time, or maybe you lose some time, or it's just a treacherous, you know, path or, you know, it's a goat path or it's, you know, you name it, right? And they have these individual parts named and they try and either train something to get, like you said, harder than this particular uh, spot, uh, stretch of a course. But you also said, so this year you you kind of turned it up in terms of your weightlifting. What does that look like for you uh, as far as either what you were doing compared to what you're doing now, or what kind of training do you buy into now from a, a weight training standpoint? Because we've talked to a few people, men, women, different ages and different things. So some people, it's just not in them to have a weight training philosophy, right? Whether it's just, they don't have a time to do it or they're fearful that too much strength training will change, you know, their running dynamic to where all they want to do is only run and or cardio based things because they don't necessarily see there being an advantage to having increased strength or increased muscle mass. So what's your take on just being strong to be able to do these races, but then your actual fitness routine, what does that look like now? Yeah. So, um, I think a lot of people get scared if they do one or the other of doing the other thing because people who lift are like, oh, I'm going to lose muscle mass if I run. You're not. It's calories in, calories out. So if you're eating enough, you're not going to lose muscle mass. Um, but with running as well, I think you can probably get 90% of the gains if you just run. Um, but the other 10% you can gain from lifting. And I think it really helps with injury prevention. If you can build up your leg muscles, you can do these different things. You're doing these different motions. You're going to get injured a lot less. And guess what you can do if you're injured a lot less? You can run a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's huge of it. I think having a strong back and a strong core definitely helps you with running a lot. Uh, having big biceps, probably not. Um, but hey, I want to look good as well. I want to be able to look in the mirror and be proud of what I look like. So I enjoy that part of lifting as well. Um, I don't have a super regimented routine. Um, it was March, April, and May. I just told myself I was going to lift every day. I was going through a low point in February and I'm like, okay, I'm going to lift every day and I'm going to run 10 miles every day. So I did that and uh, I was just doing upper body one day, lower body the next day. That was a bit too much uh, doing legs every other day. So I kind of cut that back and just doing kind of two upper days and then a lower day, just switching uh, what I was doing 
Um, I like bench press. Benching's cool. Um, I also like to squat. I need to get back into squatting more. Between Eagle Up and Burning River, I didn't get in the gym as much as I wanted to. I was probably only going two to three times a week and I wasn't doing full body. So I want to get into something doing like three full body days a week. I think that'd be good. Or just going six days doing upper lower uh, or some variation of that. I do need to put some more research into lifting um, to make myself better. And I think that's something you always have to look at is what's my program like and how can I adjust this to get better? Because if I'm what got you here isn't going to get you there mm-hmm. and I want to go to that next level. So I'm going to have to reevaluate my whole situation. And uh, right now I weigh about a buck 80, okay. um, which for um, being at the like top of a lot of these races, I'm huge. Mm-hmm. Like comparatively, a lot of these guys are smaller guys. I might be height wise or they might just be skinny wise, but I probably weigh 40 more pounds than a lot of these top guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, never going to be buck 40. Like Mm -hmm. I'd be super unhealthy on my build just doesn't work like that and have to lose a lot of muscle, but I definitely can lose 10 pounds of fat Mm -hmm. um, and be a lot leaner because I I don't have abs when I'm just standing up and stuff like that. So I have the weight to lose. So that's something I definitely want to work on as well is I'm just counting my calories, doing it smartly over the next, hey, six months to try to get down to that goal weight that I think will be better for me for racing. No, perfect. And so similarly, and I'm thinking again through this mileage. And so me being a calorie person and a nutrition freak, I hear 2000 plus miles and I immediately start to calculate what would that caloric burn look like? And so from a a weekly standpoint, how do you focus on your nutrition? Is it just looking at total calories based on your expenditure? Do you have macro goals? Do you change your nutrition based on long runs and non-long run days? How do you break that down? Because to me, and I'd be curious, even just in general, do you have an average daily caloric intake? Because, you know, I think back to stories of, say, Olympic swimmers, Michael Phelps, for example, right? They're burning so many calories that, again, if you look at an elite athlete like yourself, the output is so high that just to maintain and not atrophy, you have to fuel your body with so many calories more than, you know, your lay person that even just your total caloric intake has to be high. Your replenishment has to be high. You have to be pounding carbohydrates. You have to have sugar, right? So it's not a matter of, you know, yeah, I eat uh, keto. You know, you would just die, you know, if you did that all the time. So I'm curious, yeah, what is your nutritional approach to be able to fuel yourself to run every day? Yeah, so this kind of goes into one of the other reasons I think I have so much room to improve. My nutrition's not good. Um, I don't eat super, super healthy. I had a lot of candy throughout the day, which I just view it as, hey, I'm burning these carbs off. Um, but I run on my lunch at work, so I usually don't eat a real meal until dinner time. And I eat like a, a huge, huge dinner. I eat like a whole box of pasta and like a steak or something like that. And just probably like 2,500 calories. Mm. Um, I think I usually burn around 4,000 calories a day and my weight's been maintaining uh, over the past like three or four months. So I'd say I average about 4,000 calorie intake a day. Um, and a lot of that is definitely sugar. Um, but I do get a lot of protein and stuff as well. I always make sure that I'm probably getting at least 200 grams of protein a day. So, so looking forward here, Heath, I, uh, selfishly, I want to see you attack these, these bigger races. I want to see in some golden ticket stuff. Is that, is that in your, do you have any desire to take it to that level? Um, I would love to hear maybe some races that are, and it doesn't even have to be next year, but what are some races that like you have your eyes on in the coming years? Yeah. So the cool thing is I have a job where I work seven to five, um, Monday through Friday for the most part right now. And this is the first time in my life I had that and I'm 26, um, not married, don't have kids and stuff. So this is really the point of my life where I need to go after this if I'm going to go yeah. after it running wise. So I'm really going to commit myself to running super hard for at least the next three years and see 
where I can go. I'm not going to put a limitation on myself of, hey, I can only get to this level or, hey, these people are always going to be better than me. I definitely think I have so much room to improve over the next couple of years and who knows uh, what could happen. So uh, next year on the race schedule, I'm uh, like I said, I want to do Burning River again. Um, it's on my bucket list to win that. So I'm going to have to come back at least one more time uh, to do that. Uh, Grindstone 100 also <laughs> interests me. Let's go. Um, so for the 100 miler top three get into Mount Blanc, which is on my bucket list. I'd love to run that race. And then it's a golden ticket for the 100K. Uh, a couple of my buddies are actually running it this year. Uh, Jeremy Pope's running it. Uh, Will Walmsley and then our buddy uh, Casey are running it. And I'm like, oh, shoot. Well, I want to go down. I want to uh, crew you guys. So I'm going to go down and crew them. They're all running That's the sick. 100K. Uh, talk to my girlfriend into uh, coming down with me. And then I might be pacing my one buddy who's running the 100 miler for like 20 miles of him trying to work out the logistics of making that happen so I can get some time on the course as well and help a, another buddy out. Uh, but that one definitely interests me. Like I said, Burning River again. I kind of do Laura Highlands Ultra. Uh, I paced my buddy Andy there last year or this year. So um, I think that's a very challenging race. And I think that'd be a good training run for Grindstone 100. So those are kind of three that I definitely want to do next year or the year after that. Um, yeah, I love that, man. Grindstone, for our listeners, if you've never heard of Grindstone, which if you're kind of in the ultra scene, you probably have. They just got bought out by, I don't know if bought out's the right term, but acquired by uh utmv and um so it's in virginia and low-key if you've never been in virginia virginia is beautiful and they've got just big mountains there i mean i, th I think four to forty-five hundred thousand feet i mean i don't think it goes above i don't think they hit five thousand. i could be wrong um i'm correct right virginia's grindstone Yes. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So I'll make sure it wasn't one of those Georgia races. I know there's some gnarly races in Georgia too. Um, but if you have this race, I believe is 20, 20,000, uh, elevation gain over a hundred miles, just, uh, super, super gnarly. And again, the thing about Virginia trails are, uh, again, I don't know this from experience, but from, um, you know, listening to people talk about it, they've ran it just super, uh, Rudy, uh, tough, tough, tough trail. So I'm pumped to hear that you've got grindstone on your, on your radar. And I, th I didn't, I did not know. And, and this is news to me that top three in the 100 get bids into UTMB. So you just got to think, man, the, the, the level of people coming to that race now is just going to skyrocket, which, which makes it only more fun for us uh, spectators here. <laughs> yeah. I think this is the first year that it's a golden ticket as well. So it's going to be interesting to see what the times kind of look like there Yes, as well. So yeah, it's going to, yeah, definitely going to be uh, competitive. And that's the thing I've only really done local races. So it's the competitiveness really isn't insane. The top level competition um, usually isn't there. It's just a bunch of local guys. I mean, uh, Justin's from New Jersey. I'm not sure if he, um, I know Vermont got canceled a couple weeks ago, so a bunch of people jumped yeah. in from that. I'm not sure uh, if that was the case for him, but uh, Burning River has like half the people from out of state, which I thought was very random. And I didn't know until I looked at the results. I think there was only three of us from Ohio that got top 10. That so. is wild. And I heard last year, a lot of uh, people from Colorado came out and raced it. They and, did. Uh, yeah. I think top three are from Colorado. <laughs> I'm like, okay. But it's cool. Like being a local person and doing good in the race, whenever yeah. the competition uh, is from out of state and stuff. I'm like, that's cool. Like, yeah, protect the turf. Hometown you know? boy. Yeah. Hometown boy. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so for our listeners, we're going to introduce a new segment here into the podcast. And I thought Heath is the perfect guy to do this with. Um, I, I don't think we came up with a legit name. We're just going to call it repeats <laughs> just because we wanted to come up with some type of uh, running 
uh, related name. And and I think Heath said rapid repeats. So rapid repeats, repeats. That's what we're doing. So essentially, it's going to be 13 rapid fire questions here. Now, Heath, we're not going to put a timer on here, um, but I want you just off the top of the dome. When I ask you this question, just give me like first thing that comes comes to mind. Gotcha. And uh, a lot of these are run related. There may be some that aren't running related. So work with us here. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. Go to running shoe for trail. Uh, Tecton. I just uh, got those for Burning River. I didn't have any trail okay. shoes. There yeah, we Hoka go. Tecton. So yeah, I had to order those a week before. Okay, let's go. Go to running shoe for road. Uh, Hoka Rincon's been through 15 pair of those. Nice. Okay. All right. Favorite trail in this area? Uh, I like Brumbaugh Nature Center. Uh, I think it's technically a Minerva Mountain. You know, it, but it's my home trail. Favorite artist to run to listening to music? Uh, future. Ooh, okay. All right. I want you to. I want you to get your phone. Okay. And I want you to check whatever you listen to. Is it Spotify, Apple Music? I use Amazon Music because it, it worked with Garmin. That's so. cool. Go yeah. to Amazon Music. Oh. And I don't know if it will show you the last song that you listened to. If it if it does, I'll, you got to say whoever it is and what what the track name is. Yeah, so it's actually uh, "Practice" by the Baby. Oh, the Baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a funny TikTok that was uh that was that had that song in the background, so I've been jammed to that like nonstop the last couple Lo- days. Love it. All right, guilty pleasure artist. Who's someone that you like? You, are you a T Swift fan? I do like T Swift. She has a lot of bangers, and she's been around forever. Um, but I'd say Reba. Reba's my girl. Reba, that is boy. If if you would give me a hundred chances to guess who you're gonna say, I would not have thought. Yeah, you you should have done some more background research on my Instagram. Yeah. Oh shoot. So when I ran uh, Hall of Fame last year, I wore a cutoff Reba shirt. It said, "Everyone has an addiction, and mine has happens to be to Reba McIntyre." And I looked so white trash with my mullet, American (laughs) flag headband, that T-shirt on. It was a great time. It's incredible. Now, did you, did you ever watch the TV show, Reba? My I wife did. I, loves... I love the song. And uh, it relates to me a lot because my mom was uh, a single mother, <laughs> worked literally two or three jobs and stuff. And the, the theme song to that is literally like her story. So, Okay, that's a great answer. Uh, all right, next one here. Favorite meal post 100 miler? Uh, Chinese food. I mean, yeah, I, I felt great after this one. So I actually went and got Seth and I Chinese food, my brother, and took it back and yeah, had that. All right. I need to know specifics. Like what, like, like what type? Are you going... Uh, General So's chicken, you're going sweet and sour. General So's, yeah. I actually okay. got it from a place in Cuyahoga Falls and it was it was not great. It was Ooh. I'm not I'm gonna I'm gonna get Homer. like a five. Oh no. It might have been because I didn't feel great because I just ran hundred miles, but it was not, yeah. Off air, I'll give you my Canton wreck for General So's. Okay. It's literally right down the street, man. It's it's incredible. We'll talk after. Yeah. All right. Um, who's your favorite female ultra runner? Now, this doesn't have to be professional. Maybe it's mm-hmm. one of your friends, but who is that? Uh, Courtney. Courtney is just an inspiration. She's so cool. Like, how can you not like Courtney? Right. Always smiling. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So good. All right. Favorite male ultra runner? Favorite male? Uh, Jim. I like Jim Walmsley. Yeah. I actually got to meet him because I'm friends with his brother. Like, uh, it's about a month ago now. And I actually got to run with him some miles. And that was an awesome experience. So I saw the picture on Uh Strava. I think it was Strava that you put it on. And uh, I wasn't necessarily going to bring it up unless you did. So what was that like? It was amazing. So, so Will, I've, uh, I met him at uh, Bigfoot a couple years back. So quick story there. I'm running the 50 K and the 20 miler starts with it. And I'm running with these two dudes, um, about seven miles in, and then we go through the lap and we're talking about just random stuff. And then we go through and then it just me and Will. And I'm like, dude, what got you into running? Cause he's like two ten, six six foot 
two probably yeah big dude and he's moving i'm like what got you into running he's like oh my my brother always would send me all this running stuff and i'm like oh okay he's like yeah he's sponsor i'm like oh what's his name he's like uh jim i'm like <laughs> jim wamsley he's like he's like yeah that's my brother i'm like what that's insane yeah so uh we ended up i ended up following him and stuff on instagram and stuff afterwards and stuff and i'd see him come to my walmart we talk and then we got into running some earlier this year together and uh it was a good time and then uh we were doing some long runs together on the weekends and uh we we're supposed to do 25 or 26 this one day and uh he's like we're gonna do 18 and we're gonna come back to the car get water and stuff and then we're gonna meet our buddy casey to run with i'm like okay awesome so we get to the car and then there's a like, group of people and jim's there and i'm like no way i didn't even know he was in town or whatever he's like yeah i thought i'd surprise and bring jim along today and i'm like wow this is awesome so got to talk to him tried not to completely fanboy too too much but i definitely did and he was super open and like cool about everything he's a great dude i'm surprised by that i just get that vibe from yeah yeah great great dude yeah and he's like always said like uh the one thing said was like take the cut like anytime there's like a cut in the tree just like Mm -hmm. take the cut and he's like oh that's what they uh all the italians do or something i'm like oh that's hilarious so like i think about that every time i see you come like take the cut like it's not like you're cutting the chorus it's just like whenever those trees split off people make those two paths so that's so good uh i I gotta share this so when ryan uh and i kind of want to do this podcast and you know i've been nerding out on the ultra stuff for a while and he was like hey kind of give me the rundown of like who who are the top dogs in the sport so of course we talked about killian and and i said from the american point of view like it's jim like jim's the guy and i showed him this video and to me it's still my most favorite video i've ever seen of jim and it's actually jamil curry uh is the one who filmed it and if you haven't seen it, I'll send it to you. It's incredible. So it's it's the weekend of the Western State Training Days. And this would have been, I forget the year. It was one of the years that Jim won it. Uh, but it was that, you know, uh, Memorial Day training camp. And you see Jamil, he's, he has a handheld camera and he's running. And then all of a sudden, like out of the frame comes Jim. And Jim has such like a, like a unique, like a uh, gait with how he runs. It's just like, I feel like if, you looked at 20 runners, you could instantly pick out, oh, that's a Jim Walmsley. That's the way he runs, you know? And and dude just like takes off and, and he's running, he's probably running like low six, sub six on some of these sections. And Jamil tries to, to keep up and it's hilarious. There's this guy in the video. He's out there training. I have no idea who it was, but he sees Jim pass him. And he's like, oh, that's Jim. And he like, dude, busted and tries to keep up and just, he, I think, Maybe he was with him for like a hundred meters and then just gets dropped hard. And it's just such a cool visual of how it looks so easy. It looked like the dude was just out there going for a jog. So I'll send it to you. It's that's awesome. Fantastic. It's funny because we were running actually on like some of the burning river trails or some of the kind of uh, Cuyahoga Valley national park trails. And uh, I was like a bit ahead of him because we we're all running. We weren't like super pushy and stuff like that. But I was a bit ahead of uh, Jim and uh, Jeremy Pope on this uh one hill and everyone else is kind of behind us and stuff and jeremy pope like joking says jim like go get him so i just take off sprinting up the hill and just jim catches me in three seconds like just out of nowhere just a little speed goat on the mountains that's amazing and to him like right you know living in in france and like the mountains that dude runs daily like coming to coming to those trails it just has to be like this little just like anthill that he's right oh absolutely on. yeah i can't even imagine a thousand feet per mile it's right just normal so crazy all right so that was that was an awesome uh side side chat about jim so glad we did that let's jump back into the to the rest of these questions here okay 
you get a free entry to any race in the world. Where are you going? Uh, probably Mount Blanc. Yeah. yeah. UTMB Mount Blanc. Just the atmosphere and just looks insane. Like I'd like to do Western States one day too. Yeah. Um, of course, it's like, oh, it's the Boston Marathon of Ultra Running kind of so, Right, right. Yeah. UTMB is a great answer. Yeah. All right. So this is one or the other marathons or ultras. Ultras. Yeah. yeah. Marathons just, yeah. I, I, it's just the same thing for 26 miles. It's, hey, keep this pace. Make sure you're on this pace. Make sure you're on this pace. It doesn't vary. So it, yeah. it's cool. I like the big city marathons. They're, they're cool, but yeah. I had a feeling that might be your answer. Yeah. All right. Uh, running in the morning versus running in the evening. Uh, running in the morning hits different. Yeah. I usually run in the evening, though. I run about lunch every day at work, and then I usually run after work a little bit. I love morning runs. Okay. Winter running. Or running in the Ohio furnace in the summer with the humidity. I'm gonna say the Ohio furnace just because you don't have to deal with the snow. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't mind either. Realistically, there you, you can't complain about both. And I kind of uh, complained about how cold it was this winter, so I cannot complain about how hot it is this summer. I think it's legally how it works. And like Ohio can have just as nasty winters. We we are <laughs> gonna get a ton of snow this year because we got no snow last year. It's gonna be, it's about to be terrible. Yeah, it was it was wild. super cold. But yeah, right. no snow. Right. Well, hey, man, you crushed those answers. And that was our that was our first segment. Yeah, man. Last thing for me, and I love just you have, you project such a competitiveness. And I love that because to me, nothing's worth doing if you don't just dedicate your whole self to it. And I love that you project that. So if we were to look ahead 10 years, 15 years, whenever your peak, whenever you think that your peak, you know, is there and you look back. What would you have to achieve or accomplish for you to consider your running career to be a success? What does that mean to you? So obviously, you know, we talk course records or we talk certain races, but if we were 20 years from now for you to look back, what would you need to do for you to feel that you had accomplished either your goals and or just to assess your career? What would that look like for you to look back and think you achieved all of your goals? knowing that I pushed myself um, as far as I could. Um, I don't think there's a time that I need to run to feel accomplished. Uh, at some points in life, I kind of look at it like this is all kind of the dessert. Like I'm not supposed to be here. I was 230 pounds. I'm not athletic. Like I just kind of really this year saw myself as a runner, even though I was running 2000 miles a year. I was just mm. like, oh, because there's people better than me. Um, which I kind of got out of that mindset. And I definitely do want to keep pushing and competing and stuff like that. And I hope one day, hey, maybe I'm good enough to get sponsored by a small shoe company or things like that. That'd be awesome. And I don't think there's a limit to how far I can go. I think there's a lot of things I need to fix over the next couple of years and I can go pretty far. But um, just as long as I think that I gave it the best shot I could and I did everything I could, I think I'll be happy with whatever the results bring. I've already accomplished way more in athletics than anyone in life would have bet a thousand times over that I could do like I wasn't athletic in school like it's it's I think it's hilarious that I was like so big now and the things that I'm doing like that's part of the the reason I do it is is I'm like oh this is hilarious like but yeah I'm super competitive me and my brother both are and I love I love being competitive uh with that so I definitely do want to do a lot of things in the future that's awesome so as we start to wrap up man just want to say a big thank you for for coming into the studio, uh, coming on site here and chatting with us. Uh, you know, you're a big inspiration for me as someone who's just kind of getting, you know, uh, my second year of kind of really getting into running. And uh, 
yeah, man, I've, I've, you know, I've met a lot of people in running so far. And I think that's one of the coolest things is the relationships and the people that you meet and, um, and how you can just vibe with somebody and be motivated by them. So I just want to thank you for that. Uh, for our listeners, can you shout out your socials? We'll put them in the um, show notes so people can follow along with your journey. So real quick, if you can uh, shout out your Instagram and, uh, and please go follow this man on Strava. Yeah, so uh, it's just my first and last name. It's just Heath uh, Goshorn. So H E A T H G O S H O R N. It's my handles kind of on everything. So cool. All right. Well, we hope there was something that you gained from this conversation. Our goal is that you would take away inspiration that allows you to go an extra mile in your next run or add another pound into your next lift. Until next time, run towards your goals, lift up others, and grow your perspective. <laughs>